0: thank you for joining me today. It's an honor to have you here. Today officially begins the journey into my personal story. Welcome to episode one where we will dive into my humble beginnings. First though, I have been asked why I'm telling my story and why in a podcast form. Well, I'm telling my story because I believe that my truth and experience matters, just like I truly believe that all of you and your stories matter. And I'm telling my story because I think very soon you'll start to see shit happens and life does indeed get messy. It gets dark and light, delicious and crunchy, heartbreaking and love creating. It's everything. And I continue to learn and grow through it and have been painstakingly learning to love myself all the more as well. I also believe that until we own our stories, we are our stories. And for me, I have a lot of stories that want to keep me small and fear and not wanting to be here but i am not my stories and i'm not learning to entangle them without some grit tears anger and absolute willingness to get into my shit. as for choosing to speak my story i don't know that i would have i just feel called to it and was told by several people that i love to do it this way and believe me this is terrifying and i would rather just write my story and if i'm being honest never share it my story is not always easy to speak and because i'm not my stories i am going to walk into the terror and speak it anyway because i know i'm not alone and i think it helps to hear someone sharing their messiness being real and in it so before we get into the thick of it i do have a couple of caveats one As I just admitted, sharing my story with all of you is hard and scary, so please bear with me as I get real and honest about this crazy, complicated, messy life. Two, this is my story and truth as I have experienced and lived it. I have changed all the names to maintain confidentiality, but I'm sure that I will inevitably piss certain people off and we're just going to let it be there. Okay, let's get cozy and dive in. And as we dive in, remember this story and the way it is told will be raw and imperfect. I grew up in Denver, Colorado, but that's not where my story begins. I was actually born in Ludville, which is the highest elevated city in the US. I was scheduled to come into the world on Christmas of 1976, but decided to come out early on the third. My guess is that I came out early because I don't like to follow rules. And if I'm being real, I probably didn't wanna compete with you know who. And I also came out as a preemie and very tiny and was later told that my mom couldn't keep anything down minus Twinkies. Yes, Twinkies. And when I was born, the nurse wanted my name for my birth certificate and my mom was exhausted and I'm not sure where my dad was. But there was a sweet candy striper there. And if you don't know what that is, they are volunteers that handed out books, read to people, spent time with the ill, et cetera. And knowing my mom, she probably befriended her at some point And the candy striper said, I think you should name her Eva Dawn, because she was born at the eve of dawn, which is true. And yes, that is my name. And I do have an older brother, about a year and a half older. My parents were very young when they had me, around 20. And my mom left my dad and we all moved to Denver when I was very young. And even though I don't actually remember my early years, I was told when I was older why my mom left my dad and moved us to the big, scary city. And the story goes like this. One day, my dad came home from work. He worked at the mine. And he asked my mom if she'd seen his sugar cubes that were sitting on the coffee table that morning. She thought about it and said, Oh yeah, now that I think of it, Eva ate them. You know she loves sugar. In fact, the last time I saw her, she had sugar and drool all over her chin. In fact, where is Eva? She's been really quiet this morning, which as you can guess was unusual for me. I was usually into everything and never stopped moving. My dad was furious and said, damn it, those were my acid hits. I should probably mention now that my dad was an alcoholic and drug addict at this time. So they ran to find me in a corner of my tiny mountain cabin, giggling and staring at the wall. When they turned me around, they saw that my eyes were dilated and I was indeed tripping. Of course, at this point, they couldn't have done anything. If they had brought me to a clinic or hospital, the state would have taken me away. So there was nothing to do but wait it out. So fortunately for me, I was actually having a really good time. And that's what they did. They just waited it out. But at this moment, my mom was deciding to leave my dad. And I don't know the exact age of this, but let's say I was older than one and younger than two. And so my mom, with her high school diploma, knowing nothing but the country life, packed me and my brother up and moved us to Denver. So she found a studio apartment in the thick of the city, found a job, and someone to look after us in our building when she worked. Sounds awesome, right? And it was. She didn't know anything about being on her own, living in a city, and taking care of two small kids. And did I mention that we were in one of the worst neighborhoods? In fact, we lived behind a strip club that my mom was convinced was a dance academy. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're figuring it out, and then one day we come home and everything that we owned, which wasn't a lot, was stolen. And I mean everything. Plates, cups, sheets, towels, mattresses, toys, you name it, and it was gone. It looked like we had never moved in. What happened, you asked? Well, my mom's version of the story was that she had a disagreement with a neighbor, really a child, who was being mean to his grandmother, so she came out into the hall and saw this young, almost twin being rude to his grandmother. And she said, hey, we don't talk to our grandparents like that. Just like that. And he replied, lady, you better shut your mouth or I'll fuck your shit up. Yeah, I think that's a normal hallway discussion. So most people would have been concerned about this exchange. But my mom said that yes, although it was disconcerting, she just wasn't overly concerned at the time. But we were a resilient breed, the Nelsons, so she just kept moving on and we rebuilt. Now, there's more to this story, but it won't reveal itself until later in my life. And since I am staying true to my timeline, you will just have to keep listening to know what really happened at this apartment building because life doesn't always happen linear or in an organized way. It's messy. Okay, at this point in my story, I do want to give a shout out to my mom. Because when she left my dad, he pretty much disappeared. In fact, the two years after we left, no one even knew if he was dead or alive, and he didn't even surface again until I was much older. And my mom, like most of us, was complex. She is one of my favorite people in the world because she's equally brave, bold, loving, scared, sad, overwhelmed, and a lot of the time she just really struggled being our mom. And not in the loving kind of way, but just like the parental get shit done kind of way. You'll see. So, when I was six or seven, we moved out of the scary apartment in the city into Elle's basement apartment. Elle was an elderly woman that owned the house and lived upstairs and was very kind to us. Although our apartment was small, and I do mean tiny, my brother and I shared the bedroom. My mom slept on the couch in the living room, and the only door to the place was on the bathroom. It was tiny, but nonetheless, it was ours, and it was safe. And for me, Elle became a safe haven, an adult that I could trust and just be a kid with. I would go up most evenings after dinner, and we would play cards or hide the thimble, and she would always give me something sweet. Really, I think we both enjoyed each other's company. Now, there is a lot that happens in this basement apartment. On the brighter side, shortly after we moved in, we found our cat. I don't know about you, but I think animals show up just when we need them. And for us, it was Thomas. One day, my brother and I were sitting in our driveway, like we often did, just looking at the street. And this big black and white tomcat walked past us. And then moments later, it came back, walked up our driveway, and just sat in front of us. And that was that. We begged our mom to keep him. And when she said yes, my brother named him Thomas. And just a little note about this cat. Although he agreed in his own way to be part of our family, he wouldn't allow himself to be domesticated and would come and go as he pleased. And he was fierce and mean to anyone but us. One day, we actually saw him chase a neighbor's dog down the street and bite off the tip of his tail. And this was no small dog. But at the same time, Thomas would let me dress him up in doll clothes and walk him around in my stroller and not even blink a cat eye. He would also let my brother and I boomerang him up in the air and catch him in a blanket over and over. He really was part of our family and remained true to his tomcat nature. There would be days and weeks we wouldn't see him, but he always came back and he actually made it until he was pretty old, which is another story. So we're just living our life, and one day my mom found a babysitter to watch us while she went out in the evenings. And the babysitter started out nice enough, but unfortunately didn't have the best intentions and started to molest me. The details of the molestation don't matter, and I did tell my mom. But unfortunately, she didn't believe me. She talked to the babysitter, who happened to be a middle-aged woman, and the babysitter assured her that of course I was making it up. So several days later, the babysitter came back. What the actual fuck? On the upside, my brother and I knew at this point how to take care of ourselves. And although I don't remember all the details, I know that we concocted a plan that made it really awful to be with us. And she never came back after that night. And then from then on, we didn't have any more babysitters. And like so many people and families, we never talked about it. And you know, my family was not one to talk about emotional or traumatic events. In fact, we are pretty much still that way. So this, like other things that happened to me, although so horrible and heartbreaking, just seemed normal in a way, like it must be happening to everyone else. So like anyone that needs to survive and feel like they are okay, I just kept moving on and putting everything away into a deep, dark crevice, That I wouldn't open until I was much older. Yes, this shit just got real. So let's take a moment and a breath. Life is hard and messy. And it just keeps moving on. And like life, we're going to move on. And I'm going to share my first school experience, which was at a Catholic school. And as you can imagine, it didn't go overly well. So to start with, we were let in as their pro bono family, meaning we were taken in as the poor children, which is great, by the way. But unfortunately, in my case, we were treated that way as well. So needless to say, me and the nuns didn't like each other very much. And this doesn't have anything to do, per se, with religion. It has everything to do with the fact that I don't like anything extreme, rigid, etc. So I don't really blame them for not liking me, and I didn't make it easy on them. I really see rules as more of a framework to be tested, maybe even bent, and if needed, broken. <laughs> so a few reasons why they might not have liked me was to start with, they wanted me to be called Eve. And of course, I refused as my name is Eva. So when we went to church for our school worships, they made me sit in the back of the church because I didn't have a Catholic name. And we also had to wear these wool plaid dresses over white polo shirts every day. And the boys got to wear shorts. I didn't think it was fair. So I would wear boxers under my dress. And at recess, I would take off my dress and play. Well, the other girls started to follow my lead. And of course, my mom was called in. My mom didn't like conflict and was so used to me being fiery and independent that she often just let me fight my own battles. So, they brought her in and, of course, wanted her to be upset because this behavior wasn't allowed. So, I asked them, where does it say that this behavior isn't allowed? They said they had guiding principles and a rule book for their school. And I said, I know, I've read through it and it says nothing in there about this. So, yes, I was sent home and they revised their rule book. They also called my mom up on occasion because I was always looking out the window in class. And of course, like I said, my mom wasn't going to manage me. So she would ask, is she getting good grades? And they would say, well, yes, Miss Nelson, but she's not engaged in the class. And my mom would say, listen, it's better to have a quiet Eva who is actually paying attention per her grades than an active Eva that is looking for engagement. You know what I mean? Essentially, leave her alone unless she's disrupting the class. So sadly, though, with these examples and more, we got kicked out after the second grade, which for me was a relief, but I think harder for my brother. And I can imagine it was hard for my mom to be raising my brother and me together. We were like oil and water, very different. When I was older, my mom and I talked about the fact that she felt that she should have left my brother in the Catholic school and put me in public school. But hindsight is called a bitch for a reason. She just didn't know better. So here I am going into third grade. Let's say I'm around eight. And for some reason, this was a really rich year in terms of experiences. Firstly, we became Lodzki kids, which isn't a huge deal for most people in my generation. We were just different kids. We were always outside playing, riding our bikes or just hanging around the neighborhood. We would come home for dinner or when it got dark period and we spent a lot of time on our own and I can't remember if I already said this but our neighborhood was in a really interesting area we were right off of Colfax which is a crazy street to live off of it went all the way up to downtown Denver and went all the way down to the part of Colfax where prostitution and violence were the norm we also lived next to a mortuary and behind us was this huge old house that was abandoned oh in front of us were mansions I'm not kidding So two to three blocks behind our house, the neighborhood started to get bad. And I mean bad. We would hide in our cellar on 4th of July and New Year's because people would shoot off real guns. There were bullet holes in the wall at our subway that was just down the block on Colfax. And my friend and I saw our first dead guy at our bus stop. He was a homeless guy that had just died, so we told our bus driver when he came and picked us up. And of course, we had the occasional man flash us, if you know what I mean, at this boss stop as well. So an interesting neighborhood indeed. My best friend from Catholic school lived in one of the mansions in front of us, and I used to go there all the time in third grade. You have to remember that we were pretty poor, so spending time at her house was like going to another planet. Her walk-in closet and her bedroom was bigger than the room that I shared with my brother. (laughs) Okay? And her mom just loved me. I remember one night I was spending the night there and her mom woke me up and asked if I wanted hot chocolate and I was like, yes. So she brought me downstairs and made me hot chocolate and handed it to me and I took a sip and I was like, what is this? And she said, it's hot chocolate. I was like, no, no, it's not because my hot chocolate came in a packet and you added hot water to it. And she said, Eva, it's hot chocolate. It's hot milk with chocolate in it. And I said, they call this hot chocolate, which she laughed and laughed at. So summer is over and we are going into third grade and for the first time entering public school. But as stated, we were not in the best neighborhood. And sadly, that usually means that the school is not great. And once again, this was not my mom's forte, thinking about where her children should go to school. She just knew that our neighborhood offered a public school and that's where we would go. So we went to our designated elementary school And wow, what a difference it was in the Catholic school. And I knew the moment we walked in that we weren't going to survive. I almost got beaten up the first day. And if I remember right, which I may not, I don't think my brother fared well either. So after the first week, I walked around our neighborhood and found another school a mile in the other direction, which seemed nice. And I marched right in and told the front desk that we just moved to the neighborhood and my mom would like me and my brother to attend this school. Would that be possible? And she said, yes, just have your mom fill out this form, sign it, and you're all good to go. So I told her my mom was waiting outside in the car and that I would be back. I went outside, filled out the form, signed it, and brought it back in. And that was that. We started that Monday and finished elementary school there. I think that's what all eight-year-olds do, right? Okay, another big thing happened this year, one that would change our life forever. My mom was dating this guy, Dexter, and I couldn't stand him. He was so mean to us and not what my mom deserved. And he would never be mean to us in front of her. He would always wait until she left, right? He's one of those guys. And when I told my mom that he was mean to us and that I didn't like him, she just didn't want to hear it. You know, she was in love, and I get it. She was a young mom, and, you know, she'd been raising us for six years on her own. She just wanted to be loved. So I really do get it. But one evening, my mom came into the kitchen and sat down with my brother and I. She was really excited and had a medicine cup full of some kind of beads and said that she was going to spit into this cup and would tell her if she was pregnant or not. I was like, huh? (laughs) I remember being in shock. My eyes got wide and I just kept looking at my brother who was looking at me. We didn't know what to say. So she spinned to the cup and it turned a certain color, which meant she was pregnant. And she was so excited. You guys are gonna have a little brother or sister, right? That's so exciting. And I was like, what? So I remember finding my grounding and said, remember, I'm eight. Mom, you can barely take care of us. How are we going to take care of another child? And she looked so wounded everyone, so what came next was not good. I said, Mom, it's okay. Remember, you have options. You can put it up for adoption, decide not to have the baby, or I guess keep it. Maybe you should take some time to think about it. Well, my mom didn't appreciate this little talk at all and said, Of course she's keeping the baby, and that was that. I remember the look on her face as she walked away. She was so hurt by me. So eight months later, my little brother was born and we three became four. Why four? Well, because unfortunately, Dexter divulged that he couldn't take care of my mom or take responsibility for my little brother because he already had two other families in two different states. So that was the tragic end to that. And she was back to being a single mom. And now we had a baby to take care of. And I really love my little brother and have since the day he was born. I do think it's been hard between the two of us at times because I had to take on the more parental role and was just about to get into my teenage years, so it was hard to say the least. With that, I'm going to interrupt story time, as I think we've all had enough for today. For some, I'm sure this is a relief, and for others, you were probably just getting settled in. Either way, the next episode of Life is Messy will drop next week, where we will continue to dive into my story. Please subscribe and follow this podcast so that you can get updated when the next one drops and follow me on Instagram at soulsshifting. I would love to hear from you if you have comments or questions. Also, please forward this to anyone who might be interested. With immense gratitude, thank you for starting and being on this journey with me. I couldn't nor would want to do it without you. Until next time, see you on the other side.